welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my fiancé to watch the musicals he really should have seen by now, and then we talk about them. I am the fair fiancé. <laughs> you are indeed, and I'm Drew. I'm really excited for this episode, and I want to start off by saying a huge thank you to Tony mm-hmm. at Theatre Flashback One, who has very kindly given us the tickets for this show that we are going to see today, mm-hmm. which we both wanted to see urgently when we heard it was announced. And it was on our to-do list. Before, and we sort of never got around to it. Yeah. yeah, before it stopped at the end of August. We were planning, I think, a you know summer holiday trip. Mm-hmm. But yes, a huge thank you to Tony for tickets to see the London Revival at the London Coliseum of... My Fair Lady. Yeah. So this has been a big show for us because it's one of the first shows that we watched, the movie version of. Yes. And you were immediately like, this is amazing. I want to see this live. I want to watch the film again. Yes. Like you would happily just rewatch this whenever. Yeah. I remember we did this. This was like episode five. Mm-hmm. And I still, I still remember at the interval when we watched this ordering ice cream what like we we ordered on uber eats and we got ice cream because this ice movie cream. has an the movie has an intermission yeah, yeah but we'd ordered it very specifically for the intermission we took a nice little pause for it i remember this because i had such <laughs> a great time watching this one yeah and you know what had we done we'd done joseph we had done into the woods we've done newsies and we had done phantom mm-hmm. and we did love them for dice <laughs> We didn't get ice cream at the intermission this time. No, we didn't. But I I, ice cream beforehand. Yeah. I I think this was the first show we had discussed where I truly felt, oh, okay, I'm going to have a lot of fun doing this podcast. Like, not that I didn't enjoy Joseph, not that I didn't enjoy Newsies. You did not enjoy Joseph. I, I like it, but I feel like there's issues maybe seeing it live in a few weeks will help it's really exciting you know there's a lot of podcasters who will say like don't listen to our early ones they're not a fair representation of us and obviously you know starting off with you know maybe not the best equipment well and also i edited that episode and it was bad no you didn't you i I did i edited joseph oh joseph yes i thought you meant my fair lady because i started editing from phantom yeah um (laughs) Blimey, that's a long time to be editing. But what I really like is that recently we've obviously had more opportunities to discuss these shows. But again, I know there's a lot of podcasters who are like, oh, I'd love to talk about this film again, but I don't because we've already done an episode of it. Mm-hmm. It's a really great thing about this show is the fact that we don't just have to talk about the movie versions. We can talk about them live. And we've managed to do that with Into the Woods, that we talked about the original Broadway show. We're going to do that with Joseph when we see it on tour. Mm-hmm. We hope to do it with Newsies because there's the new immersive production coming to London. And obviously we have a Phantom Week. My Fair Lady was like an episode that I've listened back to and I actually still rate it very well. But I'm so excited to see it again but this time live in such a beautiful venue like the London Coliseum. Oh yeah, for sure. So I went to the London Coliseum at Christmas to see The Nutcracker 
I forget how gorgeous that theatre is. It's really, really nice. And when we arrived, there were some people having a little guided tour, and apparently it's the biggest theatre in London. It seats the most people, which yeah. is amazing. It also has standing room at the top, which isn't used anymore, but was when the Coliseum was originally opened. Yeah, it definitely feels, and I know it's obviously like the English National Opera mm-hmm. like hub, definitely feels like a place that the Phantom would frequent oh absolutely all it's missing is a is a chandelier but i'm being in france but you know oh yeah i mean the phantom can go on tour sure where is it he ends up in uh the sequel coney island yeah new york so he'd have to stop like france england you know phantom world tour yep this version of my fair lady is obviously very limited run Mm -hmm. which i think suits the london coliseum quite well yes you know because it's so large I feel like you, you you will fill out a lot of seats mm-hmm. and as a result, more people will see it per show than maybe others which have smaller, uh, smaller auditoriums and stay longer. Yeah. This is, you pointed out, the first revival of My Fair Lady in the West End. In so 21 like, years. Yeah, 21 years. That's crazy. Obviously, starting on Broadway in 1956 with Julie Andrews and Rex Harrison, uh, we now have Amara Okarake and Henry Haddon Patton. Yes. And this comes from a revival from the Lincoln Centre Theatre in 2018. So it's the same creative team with Bartlett Sher directing this over here again and Christopher Gatelli doing the choreography. Mm-hmm. The scene design is Michael Jurgen. Uh, costume design is Catherine Zuber and Donald Holder doing the lighting design. Mm-hmm. All... I have to say the costume design for this was one of the things that has in the past let me down with this show i've seen at uh, the tour of this i've seen uh i saw the 2001 version yeah when i was a kid i must have been like six at the time or seven but um one of the things that has let me down with my fair lady before is the costume design i think because the movie is so iconic yes and because you sort of just expect to see those kind of costumes. And this version had amazing, amazing costume design. Yeah, looking at the photos before the show, like it's it's really easy to get hyped for this when you see the sets, you see the lighting design, the costumes, and it all looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very, very acclaimed from the Lincoln Centre, Tony nominated, and had amazing casts, some of whom are coming across. So Harry Haddon... Patton mm-hmm. is coming across to reprise as Henry Higgins, but you had Diana Rigg as Mrs. Higgins, but replaced by Rosemary Harris at some point. Uh, so huge cast members mm-hmm. that are part of this. But now we get some amazing people taking over these roles. You've obviously mentioned Amara Okarake, mm-hmm. but we are going to see... Malcolm Sinclair as Colonel Pickering. And He's I, fantastic. But also, and this feels very surreal to say, Vanessa Redgrave as Mrs. Higgins. Yeah, who we didn't really realise was in it until sort of the day before. Yes. When I looked up who was in the cast, because I've seen Amara Akirake in Les Mis previously, and she was a fantastic uh, Cazette. 
and just looking up and realizing we were seeing Vanessa Redgrave, who oh, yeah. we also realized when we were looking at the program has won an EGOT, which is crazy. Well, she's one of a few performers to win what is dubbed the Triple Crown of Acting. Mm-hmm. You know, so Academy Awards, Emmy Awards, Tony Awards. Only 24 people have done this. Yeah. And... She's an insanely talented actor. And... Yeah, an amazing CV, an amazing creative. Yeah. I mean, I love her in Letters to Juliet. Because <laughs> I love that film. It's such trash, but I love her in that film. What's the last thing you saw her in, do you think? Oh, I don't know. I definitely remember Mission Impossible. Yeah. Which I would. Well, we might have to come back and revisit her. Yeah. Because she is actually in the original film version of Lerner and Lowe's Camelot. Oh, really? Yeah. Which then uh, Julie Andrews actually played on stage. So it was a nice That's really, really interesting. Within that. But I love Camelot and I love her in it. Yeah. So, and I know that, you know, when we mentioned it to your your nan, mm-hmm. she was very jealous because not yeah, only is My Fair Lady... Her favourite musical. Favorite musical. But Vanessa Redgrave is her favourite performer. Yeah. Um, I think one of the last things I definitely remember seeing her in was um, film stars don't die in Liverpool. That's what, you know, what I, I remember. I have no idea what that is, but okay. Yeah. Henry Haddon Patton obviously was in the Lincoln Centre version and has transferred over here to continue his run as Henry Higgins. The name doesn't mean as much to me as it does you. Oh, yeah. So I, during lockdown, entirely rewatched um, Downton Abbey. And he obviously shows up as Bertie Pelham. He's also in the films. Like, it was very cool to see that he's in this. But he's also been in, like, The Importance of Being Earnest. Uh, he was in the movie, I believe, of About Time. Which I really enjoy About Time. I think it's... Yeah, he's really in The Crown film. as well, but he's been in a a huge number of musicals and stage shows, was... which is really interesting because Henry Higgins is such a talky part. Yes. Well, he was nominated for a Tony for his version of Henry Higgins. Mm-hmm. So really, really excited, you know, to hear him in this. Yeah. Because I, I think, obviously, Rex Harrison is synonymous with the role. Not in the same way that Julie Andrews is with Eliza, because obviously Audrey Hepburn yeah. and Marnie Nixon mm-hmm. are kind of the voices most people would associate with this. Um, Julie Andrews, you've you've seen her in conversation, and she directed this at one point and has some very clear views. Yeah, that we'll get to when we get to those parts. But, you know, hasn't got that same kind of, like... Julie Andrews, I think, is more synonymous with things like Mary Poppins, but also Maria, you know, that she's not just one role. For me, Rex Harrison just means my fair lady. Sure. And possibly for a lot of people, the fact that not only was he the original Henry Higgins, but was Henry Higgins in the film. Mm -hmm. That's the person you're thinking of for this. And obviously he's left this huge legacy. We talked about the first time on the show. It was probably the first time in our podcast when I was like, I recognise this. I could sing along just because of things like Family Guy. And obviously his voice in this influenced the voice of Stewie. Mm-hmm. There's a legacy that goes on and on and has influenced so many people. So taking on the role of Henry Higgins, it, it must be quite intimidating mm-hmm. because you've got one very, very established 
performer. And I'm really interested to see how Henry Haddon Patton's version of him is different because you see versions where people play him the way that Rex Harrison yeah. played him. I don't want to say copy Rex Harrison because everybody brings their own personality to the role, but he is a character who comes across as very rude, arrogant, but in a way that we're supposed to laugh at as the yes. audience. But he can come across as really unfeeling. And I always think it's interesting when performers decide to play him as a guy who does feel a lot and has a lot of emotion, just decides not to show it. Well, this is the thing. Is I found it very weird that they end up together at the end. Yes. Because I don't feel like... I feel like the, the the romance is really just shoehorned into it, the film. And don't get me wrong, I loved the film. It was five stars. It was absolutely five stars. But it's, it's interesting because you don't feel like Henry deserves Eliza. Oh, no, he definitely doesn't. She could do so much better. And I think part of that is the Rex Harrison thing and the fact that, you know, the, he's quite mean with it. And he doesn't feel like he ever is apologetic. He feels arrogant about it. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited to see this one. I think there, there's a few things I'm really excited to see in person. We talked about Ascot and like how that moment in the film is very stylized to replicate the the show. Yeah. I can't wait to see... Um, wouldn't it be lovely? Mm -hmm. I'm also excited by the damn, 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 damn. I've grown accustomed to her face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, one of the bits I'm most excited is right at the end. But I also just think you've got this amazing sequence in I'm Getting Married in the Morning mm -hmm. that I'm very excited to see as well. Which, since watching Half a Sixpence, I always think reminds me of Flashbang Wallop. Yes, I was thinking that literally the other day that... Which one are we seeing in this? Is it... Is it, oh, hold you, Flashbang Wallop, what a picture. I was like, that's a very long sequence. And I was like, no, that's not this one. It's I'm getting married in the morning. Yeah. And then I got stuck with Friday Night Dinner, where it's ding dong, bells are going to chime, Jackie. Yep. You know, um... I'm just very excited. I really am. I, I, I loved My Fair Lady. I fell in love with Eliza. And I'm just very excited to see this again, especially considering that this is a, as close as it can be to a transfer from a really, really well-received version. The Lincoln Centre seems to be huge for older shows like this. Mm -hmm. You know, things like... Uh, Oklahoma, I think it did at one point. Mm -hmm. South Pacific, we've never seen that version, but you're like, that's the version to introduce Danny to. Yes. But also, what was the one with, it was a really good cook out? The one that has You'll Never Walk Alone? Carousel. Remember. That's it, Carousel. That was the right version to introduce me to because mm -hmm. you've got some great actors, but you've also got uh, a modernised version of a story that's problematic. Mm -hmm. Not that I think My Fair Lady is problematic i don't feel like i ever watched much of it i mean don't get me wrong the way in which eliza's treated is bad yes but i don't feel like it's one that needs urgent like repairs to it yeah or care in the way it's handled mm -hmm. so yeah i'm excited to see this one especially at like a beautiful venue that I've never been to before. Mm -hmm. 
So as much as I could talk all night, mm -hmm. I would much rather move my ass <laughs> yeah. and dance all night. Mm -hmm. So we are going to uh, head off to London. We're going to enjoy some pride, first of all, mm -hmm. which is going to be fantastic. Yeah. Before we go and enjoy My Fair Lady. Mm -hmm. And we'll be back after intermission to talk all about the 2022 London revival yeah. of My Fair Lady. Yes, indeed. See you shortly. And we are back. We sure are. We've what a, been to the races. What a time. What an absolute blast this show was. Mm -hmm. I I had the best time. I, I, I know I say that a lot, but I really did. This was just such a beautiful bit of theatre. Yeah. I forget how funny this show is as well. Because mm -hmm. like, I think sometimes with older musicals, you don't expect them to be as funny as what they are. You would kind of expect them to be more serious because like we get a lot of movie adaptations nowadays, you know, like that's where the, the market has gone. Mm -hmm. And with it, like they're usually funnier films. Therefore there's a lot of humor in musicals nowadays. Yes. So you, you kind of think like older things like Oklahoma, like Carousel, like My Fair Lady are far more serious. Mm-hmm. I forget just how funny this show is. Yeah, and Lerner and Lowe are very, very good at bringing comedy into their shows. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk, before we talk about the show itself, about how incredible the sets were. Oh, my God. I literally turned to you. I think it was the first time the house appears. Yeah, it was like a gasp. Like, <gasps> I literally, like, grabbed your arm and was like, what? And then a scene later, the house starts to rotate. So you, what you get is this like sort of half box shaped uh, library. And the reason yeah. why I gasped is because it's got two stories. Right. So it's got the balcony with all the books up there and there's the spiral staircase that goes up and down and they just move around it freely. Lovable, climbable set. Right. Incredible. The levels are amazing. And then as they started, it, like they opened, somebody opened the door. I don't know who it was. It was probably Higgins opened the door to go into the next room. And the set started to rotate and we get to see the hallway. We get the bathroom, which then becomes the recording room. And yeah. like a little bit of the outside with a well, tree. The, and this, it's just, what? Oh my God. It's so good because, yeah, we get it when they start to like. Drag her through the drag house. Drag her through the yeah. house and we get it reprised during the servant's chorus. But yeah, That's it revolves. Crazy. It's amazing. And I know that we talked about things before this show, but just generally the set is just incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, and the thing that makes it so incredible to look at is that every other set piece is very minimalist. Yeah. So when you're outside of Higgins's house, you it's just, just the doorway and, and a, a couple of trees and a lamppost. Yeah. And when we're outside of the theater oh you the get beginning. the gate and everything comes down yeah but again they're on flies so yeah. it's pretty simple and then you get this house this like masterpiece of technology that's so, oh my god so good it was so cool i want to climb on it yeah michael <laughs> jürgen absolutely is a god incredible 
set design for this. It's amazing. You know, even just the backdrops, like for Ascot, we have this really beautiful, nice, simple backdrop. And then you have like a little curtain that comes down and it moves as part of it with the music. And, and it's just fantastic. It's so simple. The way they do the ballroom scene, again, the colours, you have these beautiful uh, chandeliers drop from the ceiling and just like the staircase that they walk down. Mm -hmm. This show visually is so beautiful. And, you know, the costumes, Catherine Zuber's costumes are amazing as well. All the characters look incredible. I liked that Henry Higgins has almost like a David Tennant slash Matt Smith vibe with his costumes between the performance, but also the costumes he wears, like the long jacket, very David Tennant-ish. I loved his costumes so much. And Eliza, when she comes out at the start of Act 2 to go to the ball in this, or at the end of Act 1, mm -hmm. this beautiful glittering gold dress, you're just like, oh my God, she's gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, her father... His costumes are great, especially when he becomes, you know, middle class. Mm -hmm. It's great. But just even the fabrics that are being used for each character is ridiculous. Like you have uh, Mr. Doolittle's like wedding suit. Yeah. Is this like carpet bag feel? Because he's middle class now and like it's a slightly more expensive material. Henry Higgins' brown coat, like you say, is so so important to his character because yeah. it's so against what everybody else around him wears. You don't see any other men in this show dressed this way. But it's also the way it moves with him, like when he's having his chaotic little moments of energy mm. and the way it moves, it's not predictable, yeah. just like him. So when he is always wearing shades of grey and blue and yeah. nobody else in the show does that either, except for his mum, who wears blue and black. Yeah. But she's the only person who wears that colour to, like, near him. Yeah. It's so cool. Like, it's so well thought out. Yeah. The lighting is great. There's some really nice moments, like, as it dims. And then we just have the lights on the stage. But even then, like, the way the light on the set itself works. for I could have danced and everything's turned off. And it is just beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like, because you've got, like, subtle lighting to it. I have to say, Henry Haddon Patton is the best Henry Higgins I've ever seen. Mm. He has... Just the perfect demeanour of falling in love with Eliza. And you see it. Yeah, you absolutely so do see nice. it. It's so nice. You start to see these little moments where he's in love with her. There's a bit where he sits down on the floor next to her. Yeah. Because she sat on the... Right before the rain in Spain, she sat on the floor and he hands her a cup of tea and sits down on the floor next to her and is talking to her about the majesty of language and... They have this moment and I've never seen a version where that's happened before. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, he's actually in love with her. He just doesn't want to admit it. And then there's bits where he talks to his mum and he, he's just sad. Like, yeah. oh, it's so cool. I love a bit of emotion. Oh, him. it was just such a wonderful show. You know, everything on stage, but also everything that goes along with the stage. One of my favourite moments of sound um, was during Ascot where you have obviously everyone looking out at us and they follow the race and you just hear the sound going along the back of the theatre mm -hmm. and it just travels across and it was so cool. Oh, yeah, incredible I sound just, design. Yeah, so, you know, shout-outs here to uh, Michael Jurgen for sets, Catherine Zuber for costumes, Donald Holder for lighting and Mark Salzberg for sound because all four of them 
Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes you get shows where it's like the acting on stage is phenomenal, but you forget about how necessary the rest of it is. Yeah. You know, yes, this is a very well performed, like such a strong show, but it's these moments, like these reveals, or the use of the theatre and the technology that make this show special. Loved it, absolutely loved it. So yeah, the the acting is brilliant. You know, we get a really gorgeous overture. Mm-hmm. And it feels so big. I don't think I've seen an orchestra quite as phenomenal as this in person. Yeah. Obviously, we see a lot of shows, and I'm not going to diminish anything. You know, things like School of Rock, where the kids play their own music, is is fantastic. And bits like Waitress, where you have the band on stage the whole time. But I think this is the biggest orchestra I have seen, mm-hmm. and the most classical with the most instruments. And they're just phenomenal. When you, you know, second hear the overture and I start recognising all these different songs and it's like, oh my God, I forgot how beautiful yeah. the melodies and music in this was. Mm-hmm. And we have our first set piece outside the opera house. And I think it establishes the characters really well. Yeah, me too. You have Eliza selling the flowers and she's knocked into by... What's his name? Freddy. Yeah, she's knocked into by Freddy. My favourite character, Freddy. <laughs> and she goes off on one and he's he dismisses her. It's not even that. He Freddy is a character who gets pushed around by everybody because he has no personality of his own. Yep. So he literally is like apologies apologizing to her. He's saying to her, oh, I'm so sorry. And he probably would have bought some flowers from her because she was telling him to. Yes. Except his mother intervenes and it's like, Freddie, go get us a taxi. Why are you talking to this girl? <laughs> and I love the bit where then the mother walks off and she's like, you should have taught him manners. Yeah. Somebody should teach you manners. And I think that... She said, be quiet, girl. But yeah, that's... Uh... Dominique Planter. Yes. Who is, I think, my favourite ensemble member for this whole show she's so funny and we'll talk about it more when we sort of get to that part of the show we're kind of jumping all over the place with this one but we've talked about my fair lady in its entirety before yes i think this is one that we'll just be talking about highlights because mm-hmm. there's so much to the show yeah and whereas other times we'll go and we'll take notes we went and you know we had notebooks in hand mm-hmm. but very quickly we're just lost in the majesty of this show and it's like we didn't want to look away we didn't want to yeah. Miss out on things. So Dominique Planter plays one of the maids in Henry Higgins's house, as well as being Mrs. Ainsford Hill and probably a bunch of other people. She's at the ball as well yes. later and stuff like that. And when she's the maid in Higgins's house, she's having a kind of love affair with a policeman. And it's great because it it's really helps show the, the montage. It's one of the funniest things in the whole show. Yeah. So, again, this is during the chorus servant where we, we keep showing that Henry Higgins is having oh, difficulty. Oh, Professor Higgins. Yes. Yeah. So the house is rotating and everybody's just moving through the house to show time passing. And one of the portions, I think, of the house is... Just outside his window. Yeah, it's so you've got the main entrance to the house and then these big glass double doors, like conservatory doors with a little tree outside. And it's this tiny little portion and it spins round a bunch of times. And so we see this maid outside with the policeman uh, twice. 
And then we get the, oh, I know somebody who loves jam tarts. Yeah. And you think he's going to hand it to Eliza and he hands it out the window to the policeman. The policeman takes it. And as the house rotates, the maid takes the jam tart and eats it and then runs back inside and closes the door so he can't come after her. Yeah. And then the next time it goes round, the maid's waiting outside on her own and the policeman hasn't come back to see her. It's so <laughs> it's good. It's so funny. The, the, that's the thing. is like there's so much personality to this show that mm-hmm. is made possible because of these wonderful set designs. Like Because you have this nice rotation of, of Henry Higgins's house, but you have the repetition of the same things going on each time. And we've gone round twice and then we expect it and the police officer's not there and you're just like, Oh, mm-hmm. and then you start laughing because Dominique Planter's demeanor is just so funny, and you, 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 I, I, spot on. I think she was great. I think Amara Okarake is just fantastic as Eliza. Mm-hmm. You know, we 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 see obviously the transformation with the voice as the show progresses, but it hinges on how well it's established in these early scenes. Yeah. And it's great. She is, you know, ironically, a hurricane. And you see the way she chases after people. She's desperate for these flowers. She's begging people. And one of the other kind of workers, I think it's possibly the taxi boy, mentions there's a police officer taking notes on you. You need to calm down, stop harassing people. You know, you you didn't even give Colonel Pickering a flower after he's given you that money you will get in trouble. So obviously she chases after this man who's writing down everything she says. And it is with like hurricane force where she's throwing things around, causing havoc. Mm -hmm. And then we get the reveal of Professor Higgins. And the way he speaks is just brilliant. And Harry Haddon Patton does a really good job transforming his voice as well to mimic other people. Yeah. And I love, I forgot how much I loved this opening where He's got this like fortune teller aspect where he can guess where people are from. Yeah. And we get, why don't the English teach their children how to speak? Yeah, yeah. I forgot my favourite line and that was, um, in America, they haven't spoken it for years. Yeah, and this song got loads of big laughs from the audience, which everybody was fairly quiet up until this point, mm. like audience-wise. So I was kind of worried that it wasn't going to be a very um, reactive I think is the word I want audience it, in a positive way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they were they were really, really uh, good. Yeah, and they definitely got into it as time goes on. And you have this brilliant opening mm-hmm. and it established everything. I love the moment where Higgins and Pickering fanboy over each other. Yeah. And you've got like, where are you staying? Oh, I'm staying at home. No, you're not. You're coming to live with me. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Colonel Pickering never moves out. <laughs> Yeah, he just lives there. It's great. And in a show like this, there's so many amazing interpersonal relationships with people. Mm-hmm. You know, you've obviously got like Henry Higgins, who has a relationship with his maid, with Miss Pierce, with uh, Colonel Pickering, with Eliza, with his mother. He's got all these different relationships. And it's so interesting. And I love the interplay between him and Pickering. But I think it is a testament to the actors on stage here that each one of them can do such a good job developing all these different relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's almost like Pickering is the only person that Higgins sees that is above him. Yeah. And there's that, I'm so lucky to be in your company. Mm-hmm. But then 
he has like the weird relationship and dynamic with his mother then he also has like the weird mentor relationship but the falling in love with eliza that you mentioned but the weird kind of i am master over my my house relationship that he has with you know his chorus miss pierce but still there's a weird respect there yeah his his household staff seem to really like him yes which is really interesting for this character but he has this whole thing about how he treats everybody the same and i think it's true of his it character absolutely is he, it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing, but at least this version, I feel like he's definitely nicer than Rex Harrison, mm-hmm. who is not obnoxious in a bad way, but definitely has that more obnoxious side. Whereas here, the argument he uses to Eliza at the end, where he, he says, I don't understand your argument. I treat everyone the same. You're all below me. Yeah. And, and she's like, oh, I see. So because you treat everybody badly, it's okay for you to treat me badly. Yeah. And he's like, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, which I think is a very cool thing. And you do get it. But even then, it's almost like he says that, but he doesn't actually do it in practice, which I think is quite nice. Mm-hmm. He thinks he is, but we as an audience have subtly seen, because, you know, very much Eliza's our insert character here. We see, I almost like the idea that we see him through Eliza's gaze, that we see this other side to him where he is has hero worship, or a weird style with his mother, but also this weird respect for his staff yeah. that Eliza picks up on. And then it's like, well, why don't you treat me better? And his logic is that. And she's like, it's really not. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I thought this was a great opening. And then we get, wouldn't it be lovely? Yes, with the lovely quartet, which, oh my God, these guys were amazing. They absolutely were. So the, the lovely quartet is Tom Liggins, Joseph Claus, Klaus? I think it's Claus because it's, it's spelled like Santa Claus. Okay. So apologies if not, but that's how I've read it. Jordan Crouch and Tom Ping, who were just so good. Yeah. They're, they had, obviously they're a quartet, but, you know, very barbershop layering of harmonies and just, it was gorgeous listening to them sing. One of them in particular seemed to really fancy Eliza. Yeah. Which I honestly couldn't tell you which one it was. <laughs> No, because the ensemble do play a lot of roles and it's very difficult to distinguish between them sometimes because they go very quickly from one role to the next. See, I feel like it was Tom Ping. Yeah, I think it was. Who, he gives her a flower at one point. He's the one that's saying to her, like, come on, Eliza, what would you do if you had all the money? Yeah. And he is the one that, like, hands her into a dance and it's just really interesting. He's very, like, centred around her. Yeah. I just, this is the thing, it's it's the first big number of this, like, obviously we've just had, why can't the English? Mm -hmm. But it's not necessarily, because of the way Rex Harrison has created it, it's not necessarily a singing song. I think if somebody said to you, sing a song from My Fair Lady, this would be the one that most people would go for, or dance all night. Yes. And this is a really good number, and it's the first one, like, it's the first real test of this cast. Mm -hmm who pass with flying colours, like you say, your lovely quartet is great. But again, Eliza's voice is just gorgeous. And again, the fact that we have her voice still a little rough around the edges, Mm. like for a performer, that must be so challenging because you're kind of going against your instincts in taking on the role of Eliza. Because you have to be a little bit rough. And when we do get the reprise later on, you know, in the second half of Wouldn't It Be Lovely, and you hear her voice again but this time it's smoother Mm -hmm. it shows you just how far she's come 
But this version is great. Yeah. And I love, you know, the use of the set, but also the choreography of this. And and the choreography in this whole show, again, absolutely fantastic. We've talked about Christopher Gatelli, I'm pretty certain, before on the show, because they've got an absolutely incredible CV. Mm-hmm. King and I, My Fair Lady, South Pacific, Sunday in the Park with George, Godspell, you know, even SpongeBob the Musical. Yeah. Tony Award winner. And you know, has worked on Tick, Tick, Boom as well. I don't think that's the film. I think that's the uh, London version is featured in Schmigadoon and did the Coen Brothers Hail Caesar musical sequence that you've shown me mm-hmm. and is currently working on Wonka for Netflix, which a lot of the cast seem to be. And I wonder if they got cast in this because of their working with uh, Christopher Catelli. But the choreography in this show is so good because it fits the purpose of everything it needs to be, mm-hmm. where we have the chaos like of the show, but we also have these really beautiful moments that are very classical. Yeah. So we go from outside the Royal Opera House, and this is where we get uh, the bit of interaction with Eliza mm-hmm. and her dad. I forget how how little he is in this. Yeah. Obviously, again, has one of the most iconic songs in this, I think, with I'm Getting Married in the Morning. But actually doesn't do much narratively. Mm -hmm. But I think Stephen K. Amos was fantastic. You know, you see him getting kicked out of the bar and then he's talking about how it's fine because my Eliza's on the way and hopefully, you know, she's going to give me give me some money. Yeah. And people are like, why? What have you ever given her? I gave her the ultimate gift in life. Yeah. I don't need to have given her anything else because she wouldn't be here if not for me. And he does a really, like, he just comes across naturally charismatic. Mm -hmm. You can see why people are drawn to him. Yeah. Even though he doesn't come across as a nice character here, there's something likable about him. And I think everyone has that person they know that they don't like them but they kind of respect them because they can talk. Mm-hmm. And then like you walk away of a conversation, how have I just had my opinion changed on this? What did they do? They are a wizard with words. And I think it's very interesting, you know, you've got Henry Higgins being like this amazing linguistic professor. Yeah. But there's another side to it. It's not just how you say words. It's how you use the words. Yeah, for sure. And that obviously leads into him becoming rich the way that he does because Higgins keeps getting these letters from Ezra something, an American, and who is looking for moralistic speakers of the modern age. And he writes him back as a joke. And says, says, oh yeah, you should go and see Alfred P. Doolittle. He's the most modern thinker of our time. And so the guy, the American guy, leaves him all of his money, 4000 a year, which is a ton of money. Yeah. Do you think uh, Mr. Darcy in Pride and Prejudice gets 10? Yeah, that's the thing is it doesn't seem a lot by today's standards and the way you see him like paying off money, but here it's, it is a fortune. Mm-hmm. I feel like... Yeah, he's literally chucking papers around. He is. I feel like Doolittle is the closest thing this show has to a villain, you know, her dad. In the fact that he's so... Well, he... I Henry Higgins is the villain. He's his own villain. He is, but I also feel like there's a reason why Eliza's in this position she's in to even have to go and ask for help. 
is it's because of her dad being like, give me what you owe me, even though he's done nothing for her. And the fact that he then sees a way to profit off of her being like, oh, you've taken my daughter. That's brought shame upon me. That has. And he gets the money. Yeah, but if you took all of that out entirely, it wouldn't change the plot of the show. No, it wouldn't. But it's, he's like a secondary-esque villain. And I'm not saying like he is a bad person, but it's quite nice when you see the comeuppance that here he is having to be forced into a marriage because he's suddenly a respectable gentleman. Mm-hmm. And now he has to do like the ultimate thing he said he'd never do and give up his bachelor lifestyle. Well, and also he he makes the joke about how before he had any money, he had no relations at all. Yeah. And now he suddenly has 50. Yeah. Yeah. It just feels like karmic retribution for this character who is, you know, he he's he becomes what Eliza is to him at the start. That he's, you know, she's the one who gives that money to look after him. And now he has to look after all these other people. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just quite nice. But I thought he was played with such charm and charisma that you you buy into what he's saying. Yeah. So we have that really nice bit. You get, with a little bit of luck, with a little bit of luck. Yep. And then we go to Higgins study. And this is where you get that reveal of, you know, the stage coming out. And you're like, wow. It's like Footloose, but on a much bigger scale. Mm-hmm. And you just love it. And it's, it, it's really nice. You see a little bit of Henry Higgins interacting with Colonel Pickering. And their dynamic is great. Yeah. And you get, I'm an ordinary man. Which is great because you've got Pickering just being like, oh, this guy's crazy. (laughs) He's actually crazy. But again, you've got the great comedic timing from Higgins and all the sort of the audience laughing at him rather than with him. We don't agree with him. Yeah. And you obviously have Eliza come in is like i'm desperate for this you know i really want to turn you said you could do this i'm willing to pay and the way henry higgins does i'll oh, see she's offering me one shilling well to a woman in her position that's like 60 pounds a year that's the that's the best offer ever and poor eliza again it's like misunderstanding and it, yeah. you do feel so sympathetic for her and it does make you dislike henry higgins a little bit here because through his male bravado and ego yeah he really puts her down and the fact that Miss Pierce, Mrs. Pierce is, is trying to like talk mm-hmm. him out of it and be like, you don't, this poor girl doesn't understand what you're saying to her. Yeah. And even though Colonel Pickering's like, you, you know, I'll fund all this. I'm really intrigued. He, even he says, you need to stop and explain to her precisely what it is you are proposing. Yeah. And you've got Mrs. Pierce as well saying the same thing. Like you, you really need to explain this to this girl because she could have a family. She could. And she's like, I'm not married. Oh, yeah, we get the, I washed my face and hands before I came, I did, which was being sold on, um, like, wash bags yes. as merch, which is absolutely hilarious. I did get one of those. Design. So we have, as Mrs. Pierce, Maureen Betty, who is a, a wonderful performer, I think, believe is president of Equity. Oh, cool. I, I loved Mrs. Pierce because there's this no nonsense to her. Mm-hmm. You know, she does what she's told, but does have a little bit of fight in her. Yeah. And certainly seems to treat Eliza with a little bit more respect, mm-hmm. but also treats the rest of her staff with respect. There's that brilliant moment at the end of, <laughs> why can't a woman be more like a man? 
you know. Yes, which is called A Hymn to Him. Yeah, that lovely moment at the end where he's spoken to Pickering and he speaks to her. Let me ask you a question. Why can't a woman be more like a man? And she just rolls her eyes and walks out and slams the door on him. And I just love her no-nonsense Yeah, she approach. just like leaves because she's like, oh, shut up. <laughs> yeah. This scene's great. Again, through Eliza's gaze, you feel quite uncomfortable at this proposition. And you do feel very on edge about this. Mm-hmm. You know you're getting something out of it, but you don't really understand the cost associated with it. And then the moment where she gets taken into the bathroom and they're like, you know, we're going to burn your clothes and all that. And that, what about your other clothes? These are the only clothes I have. Well, you must take them off to sleep in. No. And, you know, the way... And she says, well, why would I do that? Because she really doesn't have that many clothes anyway. No, and obviously they strip her off and she's still covered. But, you know, there's this this horrible moment. Not because anyone's done anything negative, but poor Eliza covers herself because she feels exposed. Yeah, Yeah, she's in her um, bloomers and her stays. Yeah, and you feel really bad for this character who suddenly just thrusts into this and no one's explained anything. They just do it. Mm-hmm. Very much sets the tone for what's going to happen. They put her in the shower bath and she's like, oh, what's this? What's this? This they is not what her, her voice sounds like, by the way. No, because <laughs> uh, they, <laughs> she does a much better job of her Eliza voice than me. Mm-hmm. It's a really good little sequence. And we cut back to Tottenham Court Road. Yeah. And these women come up to Alfred. Mm-hmm. Is it Alfred? Doolittle, yeah. Yeah. Alfie. Alfie. Uh, they come up to Alfie and they're saying like, oh, do you hear about your daughter? She's shacking up with some man. You know, a letter's been... Oh, written. his own daughter and he doesn't even know. Yeah. yeah. And... He's like, oh, I can make some money off this. It is. Are they implying that Eliza has prostituted herself to, he- to Henry Higgins in this? Or is it just like, it's more that implying that he's like purchased her. Yes. But yes, it's definitely a. They're definitely making jokes about her being a sex worker. Yeah, that's what it felt like here. Because she's given up the flowers, and she's selling something else, mm-hmm. and that therefore brings shame on Alfie. Because not only does he not but know, but it doesn't because some of the women that are there are also sex workers. And also Alfie says, oh, I always knew she had a career in front of her. Yes. And he's like, okay with it, as long as she's making money. It's, it feels more like that what they're doing here isn't necessarily the whole shaming of the sex worker job. It's more the shaming that Alfie doesn't know what his daughter's doing. Yeah. But, you know, they mention that it's a very wealthy man. Mm-hmm. And we get that little bit of luck reprise as he heads off to Higgins' house to kind of barter with him. Yeah. Which, again, is one of those horrible things. Poor Eliza is stuck in this position and all the men have control over her and she gets no say in anything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the way her dad just casually is like, I don't know what she's doing. And this could ruin everything for her as well. Yeah. And he just goes about like it's his own business, brings her fan and her birdcage. And And that's it. That's That's what she wants. And they barter. And you get this brilliant moment where... Henry Higgins like, I'll give you £10 because you're so well-spoken. He goes, no, 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 no. You I don't... wouldn't have the heart to spend £10. You start getting ideas and it's yeah. like, yeah, okay. Yeah, and it's really clever because, like, you could sound really eager and get it. And mm. you obviously have that great bit at the end where he suggests, you know, I'm going to write and say this. Mm-hmm. Alfie seems to have no care at all for Eliza, which I think is consistent with the character we saw in the film. He sees a money-making opportunity 
Mm. That's it. We do get a bit much later on. Obviously, this whole show takes place over the course of six months. Well, the first act is six months. The next act is 24 hours. Yeah, maybe a week, (laughs) if that. I think it's 24 hours. No, she's missing for a couple of days. When he finally goes to see his mum, it's a couple of days later. It's not clear. But, yeah, so it's, it's like six and a bit months. Yeah. That this whole show takes place over. And right at the end, before... Well, after I'm getting married in the morning, and after Show Me, when she bumps into her dad, he has this... They have this little moment of tenderness where she's like, okay, we're done here now. Yeah, but there's a hug before they go in a... She sorts know. him out, so that it gives him a boutonniere. Yeah. It's, Is that what they're called? The flower yeah. thing. Yeah. And it's a cute little moment there, because it's kind of like, whatever's happened, they're both going their own separate ways now. But, mm-hmm. you know, they're happy for it. And there's a mutual respect there that maybe her dad didn't have for her at the start. Yeah. I really like the bits where he, you know, during the bartering, he's like, oh, I'm not that fast. You can take your daughter back then. And he tries to call Alfie's bluff. But again, Alfie's just so charismatic and like master manipulator with words. Mm-hmm. He gets his way. And then we get the really great, just you wait, Henry Higgins, just you wait. Yes. Which is so good. No, like, lens flare here. No, like, flashbacks or, you know, daydream sequences. What you get is very, very simply... Her running around the house shouting about what she's going to do to him. Yeah. Amara which is great. Amara just owning the stage. Because mm-hmm. there's so many great moments where it's just Eliza. It reminds you that this is Eliza's story above anything else. And she does just own and dominate the stage. Like, she's this great presence. Even in other scenes where... It's so crowded and not cluttered, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Your eyes are drawn to her, especially the opening of Act Two when they go back to Henry Higgins' house. My eyes were fixed on her throughout this whole sequence and not about anyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about what you're doing on stage. And even though she's not the focal point, she is doing something. Yeah. And we get the brilliant servants chorus, which is interspersed with the different moments as he tries to teach her things. So you have the H. H- H, H, sequence with the flame. She just goes, huh. Huh. Yeah. Huh. 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 And you have the brilliant bit with the marbles where she swallows one. And you have Pickering just like reading the paper. And you see Henry Higgins getting more and more frustrated by things. But Mm. also you see, like you mentioned, them falling more and more in love with each other. And it's really, really great. Yeah. And yeah, you get the stage revolves. And the household just seems so alive. It's it's wonderful. Yeah, it really gives a sense of it being a very bustling, busy household, which is nice. Yeah, and there's, again, more of those interpersonal relationships that all of them are quite invested in this. In the film, it felt quite like the serving ladies were dismissive of Eliza because they just saw her as a project. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, you get a sense a little bit more of camaraderie. Yes, and it, it builds brilliantly to 3am. And, you know, let's just go. And Pickering's like, look, stop. The poor girl's exhausted. And eventually she gets it. There's this really nice moment of silence. The first time she goes to say the rain in Spain stays mainly on the plane. Mm-hmm. And there's silence. And it's that kind of silence where you feel like you're about to get it. And, of course, we know this play. I, I don't think there's many people who go see My Fair Lady who don't know this and you have this brilliant moment where you feel like she's, she is about to get it's all silent. 
The pacing is brilliant. And you get the rat, rat. Yeah, she's trying to sound it because they keep bringing up that it's all about whether or not she has a good ear for the sounds. Yeah. And she's starting to get there with the making the correct, correct, what he considers correct. Yes. Sound for the vowels. Because we've had obviously the A-E-I-O-U fiasco that yes. goes on and on and on. But yeah, she finally gets it and he keeps making her repeat it. One of the things I really loved about this show was that the difference between end of act one Eliza's posh voice and the whole of act two Eliza's posh voice because there's a like another three month gap in between those two things in act one she's copying what other people sound like and we get it when they go to Ascot and she copies yeah, everybody's um, how do you do whereas in act two that's just her voice now that's just what she sounds like and so it's really f- cool to see that growth within the accent absolutely because if you think about the um audrey hepburn movie she just has that posh accent from here on out yes the rain and it's the same Mm -hmm. but it is really good and the way they dance with this bit is fantastic with pickering dancing Mm -hmm. also the the kind of tango and the waltz again you feel like there's this moment it's not just a celebration that Henry Higgins is so clever. They're celebrating together. Yeah. And I like the moments where she does like the elongating her arm for plane. Mm-hmm. And it's great. And then at the end of the sequence, you have Mrs. Pierce coming and go, do you know what the time is? And it's, everyone... it's past three o'clock in the morning. And they all go to bed and... Eliza sings, I could have danced all night. Yes. And you have the, the, the rest of the servants trying to stop her because the, you know... She's running amok in the house. It's 3 a.m. Go to bed. They, yeah. yeah. And then you have this nice moment again. And you you said to me as we left, this is where you thought it was going to be the end of Act 1. Yeah, I didn't remember. The and cake. I had looks before, but I didn't remember that they actually do Ascot in Act 1. Yeah, because you have this moment here where all the other servants have left and the lights all shut off. And then she sings quietly, I could have danced all Yeah, night. and then she does the... Uh, realization thing where she goes to the front center of the stage yeah. and sings and it's just a spotlight on her and the house has gone back and she runs off but then obviously we go into ascot and yes. it's amazing because it always is but this is so cool the ascot stuff is great so obviously she runs off and we know that she's got to have a quick costume change there's a really great bit where as they leave at the end of you know 3, 3 a.m we're like oh we'll go and we'll dress her and henry higgins feels so excited at the prospect of dressing oh, he's Eliza. Like, and maybe a sash. Yes. <laughs> Hooray. It's really nice. And yes, we get this really brilliant bit. So the actors are all silhouetted as they come on. You get this mm. great backdrop for Ascot. It's not a backdrop, it's just the tent roof, which oh, is the really tent, cool. yeah, the tent roof, but like the, the lighting on the on the back of the oh, yeah, stage. It's just blue. It's just blue. And you have everyone silhouetted and they step forward and that's when the lights come up, but it's so slow. Mm-hmm. and boring but in the right way because they yes, are posh they're posh so this is the thing that julie andrews talks about when i went to see her she was talking about a book but she got onto the topic of my fair lady and the version that she directed i'm sure i talked about this when we did it you originally did, but i'd love to hear it again but it's very different seeing it on the stage because it's pretty much the way that she described it so there's nothing on the stage just the actors and they're all dotted around and they have very, very still, everybody's very poised. Uh, if they have a cane or an umbrella, it's held perfectly. 
everybody's completely frozen and then you have to sing without moving your face yes because they're like statues just standing there and they're doing the really pointed like every duke and l and something is here and it's just ridiculous but the way they say here as well they say here yeah is here it's very phoebe it's so funny and so good and just so well done and it is yeah it's like the race is on yeah and they just stand still and they watch for a really long time so the audience started laughing because they're all just stood there yeah and and you hear like the little in in the orchestra pit somebody do the 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 go gun yeah and then you get the brilliant sound that echoes throughout the theater but Mm -hmm. it's very much traveling across the circle and yes, then, and then they go back into the song and they're like, what a thrilling race that one was. And then they're all talking about how exhilarated they are. Even though they, they are still stoic, calm and still. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a really fun sequence to see live. Of course, with Ascot also brings Vanessa Redgrave. First yes. time we see her. This is the first time she arrives and she arrives with Pickering. Yes, and Pickering telling her what's going on and explaining so poorly the situation. She thinks that Henry has shacked up with a flower girl. And Pickering's like, no, it's nothing like that. Because Pickering, of course, hasn't picked up on the signs. Mm-hmm. And obviously she's not best pleased. But I think that's one of the things I really like is her starting point here and where she ends up with Eliza. You know, she, as a mother, certainly sees... There's something there that wasn't there before, you know? Yeah. And he comes in and he's like, Oh, mother, we're going to do this. And, you know, she's not best pleased, but Mm -hmm. again, tough. We get the return of Freddy. Yeah. And his family. Mm -hmm. And then out comes Eliza in her ascot dress and they they warn that she's going to be very stiff because they've had to pin it together because they should have taken her they didn't measure her and she can't walk properly i love her little like robot c-3po walk yeah you know arms stuff like literally just picture c-3po and that is what you have and this is that brilliant moment where she is mimicking speaking patterns rather than yes because she's been taught how to say how kind of you to let me come and the rain in Spain and all of that stuff, but she hasn't been taught to say how do you do. Yes, because there's um that bit where Higgins says to his mother, she'll only talk about health and the weather and the weather. Yeah, and she says the funniest things. We have the whole done in conversation, mm-hmm. you know. And oh, I didn't get my straw hat. Yeah, and there's a really nice bit. So there's moments where her Eliza voice comes out, and it's like a hybrid of the two accents. Yeah. And it's cute. It's nice. And, and Freddie <laughs> finds it completely charming. Freddie is smitten. Yes. And she, he sniggers at her and she's like, why is this young man laughing at me? Did, what did I, do I do something wrong? wrong? Have I said something wrong? And Vanessa Redgrave, as Mrs. Higgins, very kindly is like, no, darling, you haven't done anything wrong. Yes. And then we get the brilliant bit where they step forward for the next race. Mm-hmm. And Freddie said he'd be honoured if she would have his bet. Yep. And you have the, come on, Dover, move your arse. Yeah. Which is on my bag as well. Yes, indeed. Which I love. And that's where Ascot ends Mm -hmm. with her embarrassing herself. Yeah. And then we're back in Higgins' house, or we're on the exterior here for the first time. Yeah. She doesn't want to be seen, and Freddie comes out fully smitten. Mm -hmm. 
and he's like, I'm going to wait outside. He buys a flower, a whole bouquet for her. And we get the on the street where you live. You I s- have the best yes. time. You see, sir, a man infatuated with love. Mm-hmm. How hard you can be a slave. This is one of my favourite musical theatre songs of all time. I enjoyed it more here than I did the first film version but i still feel like it's just kind of you there. don't care about freddie at all no and I, I love him i like this song I, I i the pacing of it here i do think act one ends at the right place you know as they go off to, to the ball because mm-hmm. you're left on a little bit of a cliffhanger will she do this we've just seen her fail we established it's been like three months more yeah and now she's got to go on to her big challenge and we haven't heard her speak since come on do dover move your bloody ass yeah so you do end with a little bit of suspense and at an hour and a half it's a very long act one mm-hmm. we only get a 15 minute interval and we've got an hour and 15 minutes those poor actors right and i do feel very very bad for freddie here because this is that spot where most people are kind of shuffling in their seats ready to go have a drink get to the toilet you know they've been sat for a very long time at mm-hmm. this point, and I feel it here. Even though Sharifa Fifi is amazing, so much more likable than Freddie in the film. How dare you, Jeremy Brett is amazing. No, I know, but I feel like there's a real charm here. You know, he's this little boy wonder. Freddie is such a sweetheart, and he is exactly what Eliza needs to be able to break away from Henry and yes. the way that he treats her. Because he's so infatuated with her. But it's one extreme to the next. Yes, basically. But that's the point, is she needs the in-between of it, and it's that's what it's supposed to be like. Essentially, he's he's a MacGuffin. And I love him. You know, and he, he just is there to help move her forward. But this is a this is a really cute sequence and the set is great. I love and you this just song. I love the joke of him about to repeat what she said and Mrs. Pierce coming out and him having to try and be polite again. He thinks she did it as a joke. He doesn't know about the whole flower girl thing. He thinks she is a highborn lady who just has this sense of humour. Yeah. Which is not true. Well, this is the thing. It's very, very sweet. And it's very, very sad because obviously, you know, poor Eliza doesn't know she can face it. And he just sits and he's content to wait on the street where you live. Mm -hmm. And then we get back to Higgins' study and everyone's talking about, you know, do you think she can really do this? You, you know, let's call it off. Come on, she's not ready. And Higgins is like, no, we're going to go. We get this beautiful reveal of Eliza in, in her ballroom dress. Mm-hmm. And then he escorts her off. And that's the end of Act One. Yes. Sat in the interval. And you said to me, you forgot about a certain upcoming storyline, which I'd completely forgotten about. I was like, what do you mean? I always forget about this guy. What is his name? It's the weird little baron character. Professor Zoltan Kapathy. Zoltan is what everybody calls him. Played by Carl Patrick. He is the most odious man. (laughs) In a nice way. We say that in a very, very nice way. Oh, yeah. Not the actor, the character. I think... He's also the understudy Pickering. That's Cool. cool. I mean, looking at the cast list, I'm pretty certain... He doesn't play any other character unless I've missed something. No, he's in the ensemble. He's in the ensemble. Um, oh, he's the Celsi man. I don't know what that means. But okay, so he does play someone else. Yeah. I, I, I completely forgot about that. But he is the most odious character here. And it's a really nice little foil for this. Mm-hmm. So we come back to the ballroom for the Embassy Waltz. And again, really lovely. Mirrors 
Ascot in the way that it's crisp, precise, stoic movements. Mm -hmm. Very slow, very elegant, and the costumes are divine. Oh, yeah. You have, again, really beautiful, just light on the backdrop. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you have the chandeliers come down. You have this nice staircase as they're announced and everyone comes down. Yeah. We do see that uh, Vanessa Redgrave is a lot kinder towards Eliza and yes, is a lot more on board. she said she's become really fond of her in the last couple of months while they've been practising because obviously she needs other people to talk to. Yes. Then just Higgins. But and, and, uh, you, you know that she's going to have watched them over the months and realised, oh yes, my son is finally going to give up this preposterous bachelor lifestyle and there's something there between them. Mm-hmm. And it's this really lovely moment and the waltz is great. And obviously everyone's talking about this bell of the ball that nobody knows who she is, but they're all very intrigued. Yes. And we get Eliza's entrance. Yes. And then we get the crown prince and queen of Transylvania. Transylvania. And the prince asks her to dance. Yes. And obviously we know that Zoltan has... You know, he, he's like, I'm very valuable to her. I work and I detect people that are frauds and, you know. Yeah, the hostess of the evening, uh, who was the other lady wearing a tiara. Yeah. She basically asks him to find out who Eliza is. So he keeps trying to dance with her. And then eventually Higgins is like, do you know what? Go for it. Yeah. And dance. And there's nice moments where you can see them talking in the background and he nods. And laughing. Yes. and Yeah. You see Pickering really nervous on the side as, you know, mm-hmm. the very well-dressed Henry Higgins. I love it. For once, this is the one time where he dresses to actually fit in with high society. Uh, goes and watches and then everyone else leaves the stage as Higgins study comes in. And Eliza is just walking around. Well, dancing with Zoltan and you see him in the background just like, bid like a gentleman and laugh in the background because he's nailed it you know he's like eureka yes who does he think she is he thinks that she is a hungarian princess yes because her english is too good that it must be learned yeah so that's what uh in this next song which is you did it i forgot how much i loved you did it you did it i love when higgins is explaining what happened he says that she that azoltan has said that English people aren't instructed in their language the right way, like in other subjects, so you're taught how to speak it properly. Um, So she has to have learnt language from Professor Higgins, which is why she's there with him. And he's not wrong. But he's he's come to the wrong crux of it which and it's like she's a princess which is the ultimate compliment because this she's just a flower girl to Higgins. She got to dance with the prince. Yeah. It's very Cinderella, isn't it? If Cinderella ended up with like I don't know. The footman. Yeah. The mouse footman. <laughs> don't uh, look at me. I... <laughs> we're going to, we, 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 we said in our last episode covering six, that we we're going to do Cinderella this week. And then we realized actually, there's we just tickets to see this. Well, yeah. we knew we were seeing this. We just thought we'd delay it by a week. And actually we decided let's just, let's do my fair lady. And we'll, we'll, we'll do Cinderella next week. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be hard to beat James Corden's Mouse Footman. Yep, I I really like this song, and I love how into it the servants are getting that they momentarily forget about the implication for 
poor Eliza. And the great thing in this whole song is that as everyone else is celebrating and bragging, and you have these moments like, and I couldn't have done it without you, Mrs. Pierce, you know, and poor, he, you feel like he's gesturing to Eliza and he's not. Mm-hmm. And you just see Eliza sad in, in the corner or just on the edge of the space she's not passing in. passing her over yeah yeah the proxemics here are fantastic because she's away from everyone else she's not even looking in their direction no one's acknowledging her who is the real success story of this mm-hmm. she's the one who's learned it she's the one who's done it yeah and pulled it off and here they are bragging like she is literally just a lab rat mm-hmm. and it's very very sad and it, it's a really interesting juxtaposition from this upbeat triumphant song and i was watching bits of Higgins' performance and everyone else's interaction, but I was drawn to Eliza. I thought it was tragic and heartbreaking. Everyone else leaves, mm-hmm. and he says, oh, Eliza, won't you be a dear? And I, I feel like I'd rather have coffee in the morning instead of tea. Leave a note for Mrs. Pierce, would you? Now, where are my blasted slippers? Yeah, and she lobs them at his head. One of them went a little farther than I think it was supposed to. I think it bounced off the set. Yeah, it was great. It was on the stage. I loved it. I actually thought it was, it was really nice when that happened. And they have this proper argument. And it's very interesting because we've seen this side of Eliza before, but she's mm-hmm. now speaking very properly. Yeah, yeah, she now has the nice, not nice accent. She now has what sounds like Amara Okarake's actual accent. Yeah. I don't actually know, but she sounds like what she did when she was cassette. Yes. So. And it's interesting because Higgins is like, I, I don't know how you've done this to me. I don't, I don't get angry and you've bought this angry side out of me and i'm very very disappointed in you she asks him this is like one of the more tragic bits and everybody in the audience was completely silent yeah where she starts to ask him what belongs to her and obviously the jewels that she's wearing are rented and the dresses are hers because she's like he's like what use would pickering have for your dresses don't be weird and she gives him back the ring that he bought for her when they went to Brighton. And that's when he gets really upset because, you know, he just can't control it. And there is definitely like an emotional reaction here that mm-hmm. Henry Higgins is not used to. Yeah. And it is very sad. Like, he just doesn't understand where she's coming from because, you know, for him, this is over now. Yeah. But the arrangement always was that at the end of this, he would give her five and seven. Mm-hmm. And let her go off to try and be a florist. And she's aware of this now, but she now doesn't... Act. She's, you know, at the start, she didn't think about the implications. She thought she could just go back into her day-to-day life, just with a bit a more well-spoken. Yeah. But knows now that she can't do that. Mm-hmm. But of course, Higgins, in his mind, she's part of the house now. Mm-hmm. And he isn't... They're not on the same page here. And he, she's asking very genuine questions. He's like, why are you worried by such trivial things? Because of course... He's grown up in money. He hasn't had to worry about real world implications like she has. And it's really sad. And especially because this is the first time that we've truly seen these characters at odds with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, don't get me wrong. We saw it at the opening. But that was pre relationship here. And everything else has been really fun. And you've watched them falling in love with each other. And at this point, it's like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. And you get the Just You Wait reprise. And... Does he do a little bit of... I No, he doesn't do it here. He does it at the end um, without you. He goes, I did it. I did it. Said that I would. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the bit where she makes her resolve to leave. Yeah. So we cut back outside and we see <laughs> Freddie's still out on the street where you live. Mm-hmm. And she comes out. She's changed her clothes. She's packed her bags. 
and she just explodes in anger at him when she sings show me and it's great because she's like, I've got a man in there who clearly feels something towards me, but is, is mean. And here's you. Prove to me that you love me. Show me it. Don't just say fancy words. You write three pages three times a day. What does that mean? What have you ever done to show me that you love me? Yeah. Which is a really good response. Mm -hmm. It's all well and good, but it's, it's all about the practice. And obviously, really nice moment here where Freddie's just like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> he just like takes her bags and walks off with her. Yeah, I do like Show Me. Yeah, Show Me is a really nice sequence. Mm -hmm. It's a really nice song as well. It's a really pivotal moment for Eliza, who's always been quite, you know, who's grown to be a little bit quieter. She starts off really like, not confrontational, but assured. Mm -hmm. and she kind of loses that as she becomes a lady. But now she's 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 Hannah Montana mode. She's got a mix of the both worlds. She's got, she's got like the assuredness of old Eliza, mm -hmm. but the you know, the lady-like demeanour that will help hopefully integrate her in society of new Eliza. Yes. So we have Freddie and Eliza end up back in front of the theatre. Yes. She sees the lovely quartet and she goes over and asks to warm her hands. They don't recognise her. No, which is really One sad. of the guys thinks he does. You look like somebody, miss. Ah, don't worry. Yeah, and she says, who? And he's like, oh, no, and, like, moves away from her. Yeah. And she sings a little bit of Wouldn't It Be Lovely. And it's really sad because she's like, oh, this is what I used to dream about. And now I'm this. And I don't know where that means I stand anymore. Yeah, because she's even sat in the same spot she was in at the start. It's a really nice mirroring. And then... Freddie calls her a cab. Yeah. <laughs> You're a cab. <laughs> and they bump into her dad. Yes. Who is... He comes out the bar and he's like, oh, fantastic. The barman's a lot kinder towards him. Here, take, go somewhere nice with your missus. Mm -hmm. And they bump into each other. And it's it's nice because, again, it mirrors the first time we saw him that he's kicked out the bar. This time it's different. It's the same but different. And Eliza comes along and it's the same but different. Mm -hmm. And he invites her to the wedding and she's like, no. And he's like, oh, is, you know, he kicked you out now. I'm not taking you back. You know, I've already got enough of my dependence. And it's really sad because he was Eliza's dependent. Mm -hmm. And now he's not even there for her. But he she, won't do the same for her. But she doesn't want it. She's realised that she doesn't want that. Mm -hmm. And like you said earlier, there's this nice moment where... She's like, we're done here. We're done here. Goes to leave, but comes back. Gives him the little flower. Mm -hmm. Gives him a hug. And goes off with no ill will. Yeah. And then we get one of... And perhaps the last, like, really fun part like the, the fun you know not like the rest of the songs upbeat. aren't fun but they yeah, had really upbeat song um it's like apropos of nothing really but it's the goodbye to this character mm -hmm. which is ironic because it's his, his goodbye to his single life isn't it yeah basically he's like go get me these dancers go do this and we're gonna have this amazing night out mm -hmm. you get i'm getting married in the morning and throughout the show we've had when when we come here we have like the old something in yeah. The old bell in or something. And it opens up and mm -hmm. inside is this brilliant set piece of a bar. Yeah. And they do a really upbeat number. They get can-can dancers in. Mm -hmm. And it's just really, really fun. Really over the top. You get a nice like conga line. Yeah. And then they shut it up the next morning when everyone's quieter and a little bit more like worse. Away. And they turn the bar and it's the chapel. Yeah. And he's like, I'm getting married. In the morning. 
really sad and it becomes like a funeral dirge and again he gets lifted up with like these flowers up and they carry him off like he's going to his funeral mm-hmm. really fun sequence i think captured a lot about what i loved about the film yeah it's a very long sequence but it's a very fun sequence and i think the show needs it because the pacing of this mm-hmm. we've just had a really really tough bit to watch for our main character yeah and the next bit is going to be dealing with like the aftermath of this stuff Mm-hmm. This is the last bit of like pure just fun. Yeah. As the story goes forward, so it's really important pacing here. Yep. Alfie is kissing everyone. Yep. Indiscriminately. Absolutely. Having the best time. At the end, he throws all of his uh, sheets and sheets around. Yep. And... Makes it rain. Yep. And then gets carried off like he has died. Yes. Loved that bit. funny. We go back to Higgins' house. Mm-hmm. And this is where they've discovered that she's missing. Because he got tea and not coffee this morning. So it is the next morning. Mm-hmm. It's the day after the ball. So at this point... Yeah, it's the day after, but by the time he goes to his mum's house, it's like a couple of days. I thought at this point, the time he gets to his mum's house, he says, I'm off to my mother's at the end of this sequence. Does he? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I, I took it from. And I could be completely wrong here. I love the way he sings, you know, hymn to him. Mm-hmm. And obviously Pickering agrees with everything. Until the last thing he says. Oh my God, this is so well staged. So by the end of it, Higgins is up on the like landing with the books. Yes. And Pickering is stood at the front of the stage with his little, I think he's drinking tea. Yes. Or port, I can't remember. And he says, would you be upset if I went out with some other man? And Pickering Pickering is is like, oh, well... Actually, <laughs> and 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 Higgins is a little shell shocked, and that ends. He just like closes the door quickly. He's like, mm, okay. and the great thing during this song is like, whilst Higgins is off complaining, you just imagine he's walking across the house, going, and another thing that women do that wouldn't do if they were men. You have uh, Pickering trying to contact people, so he speaks to Scotland Yard, who are no kind of help, and then he speaks to someone from. He speaks to an old friend from the Home Office. Yes, yeah, so it's really funny. He's like, I'm off to the Home Office, and then out comes Henry Higgins again. Mm-hmm. And he says to Mrs. Pierce, Mrs. Pierce, you're a woman. Why can't a woman be more like a man? Mm-hmm. And you just see her rise. And he, as he, he's just completely lost. And she slams the door shut on him. Yeah. And he heads off to Mother Dearest's. Mm-hmm. And we're inside uh, Mrs. Higgins' conservatory. And Eliza's just out there painting. And it's so nice here just to have a moment of these two alone. Where they're talking openly about... Why can't my son just own up about how he feels about you? Yeah. And, you know, Mrs. Higgins is firmly on Team Eliza's side, Mm -hmm. which I loved. And I love the moment. So Higgins comes in and then he leaves. And we just see him so frustrated in the background, like pulling his hair, waving things around, having a little bit of a fit outside as they shout things very loudly, hoping that the person outside will hear. Loved that bit of staging. Without You is a fun song. Like, in terms of, it's not fun and upbeat, but has nice beats. And I really like the way they channeled this argument into a song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a really good one. Her listing off all the things. He says, like, you would be nothing without me, basically. And she's like, a lot of things would still be things without you. And so will I. Which is a, like, really nice sentiment. This is where he brings up about treating everybody the same. Which yeah. she's like, that's not okay. But we also have Henry's mother saying, "You have my uh, full 
authority to kick him out if he's annoying you. Yeah. Uh, and then she turns to him and says, well, if you if you want my advice, I would stick to two topics, the weather and your health. Which are really nice, yeah. yeah. And you have this bit where... She got a nice clap for that too. She did get cute. a really nice clap. You know, Eliza's had her argument mm-hmm. that, you know, I don't know what I am, but she's kind of figured it out now. This is what I am. And then you have him sound, I did it, I did it. Mm-hmm. And it just ends the argument there because Eliza's like, okay, yeah, I've got my answer here. And he, she storms off, mm-hmm. which is completely understandable because Henry Higgins is a jerk at this point. Because he's like, this is my chance to own up and say I'm in love with you and I'm sorry. Yeah. And he doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. He has words with his mother and kind of gives him... And he, he then stomps off because he hasn't got, you know, the response he wants. Mm-hmm. And we very quickly reset the stage to back outside his house. And just as he's about to get to the door, goes, damn, 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 damn. Grown accustomed to her face. And this is a really fun sequence because there's so much more emotion than Rex Harrison's. Yeah. You see him get... He's got like a full fluctuation of emotion going on. Yeah, because it's it's like him coming to terms with the fact that he has changed as well. And he's owning up to himself for the first time. It's a painful thing for him to do. Mm -hmm. It's just a really good sequence. Yep. Uh, It was, you know, one of the ones I remember most about it. Uh... And I enjoyed it a lot. Even here, after a very long evening, I still feel very much like there's more for this show to deliver. Yeah. And then it's at the very end of the show. He goes into his study. He's just sad. And he starts listening to her little voice. Mm-hmm. She comes in. And she finishes off what she was saying on the recording. Yeah. This, I love. I love the ending of this. Right. So the ending of this, I thought was her saying goodbye to him. So we have, she reaches up and puts her hand on his face and then he ends up like clutching her elbow as if he's trying to stay upright. And then he says the iconic, where the devil are my slippers. And she sort of smiles and then she takes her, her, she's still got her bag and everything and she walks down the front of the stage into the audience and then she leaves through the back of the theatre and it's so open to interpretation henry is smiling the whole time so so you can either interpret it the way that it's written which is that she's staying now and she's walked into his house away Mm -hmm. because we're in his house from like perspective wise or you can interpret it as her leaving and that's how i did yeah i didn't see her smile towards him she doesn't he's the one that's smiling so so that's the thing is, I took it to mean that she was like, I've come here for this last ditch attempt. And it's because she says, like, I'm not content just being the woman who gets your slippers. Yeah. And but then his response to that, which I don't know that I've ever heard before, was that I mean, I mean I'm sure they haven't changed it, but I don't know that it ever like resonated with me before. Is he says it would offend me to see you doing those things. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. like she's worth more than that. Yeah. And it is like admissions. Like, I don't want. A wife who just sits by and does this. I want an equal. Mm. And we know by this point in the show, she's the one that's running the household. Yeah. He doesn't do anything. She knows his whole schedule. He literally cannot find anything or do anything without her around. Yeah. So I I took it to me. I was like, because I said, I thought it very interesting. They didn't end up together in this one. You're like, no, mm-hmm. that's her walking into the house. And I think it's a very good ending. But she's so stoic when she does it. She's not smiling or anything. Yeah. And that's why I was like, 
is that a sad ending? Mm-hmm. Is this a happy ending? And it was good. And, and again, a good piece of theatre should stimulate that discussion. We certainly left having a discussion. Yeah. Standing ovation. Like, absolutely deserved standing ovation. This show is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm so pleased we got to see it live. Because I just loved it. And, you know, if you are in England and you have the opportunity to come and see us before it ends in August. Yeah. You absolutely should. Mm-hmm. I, for the first time in a while, put out polls on Twitter and Instagram. Because I, I, we didn't get to see this. The first time we covered My Fair Lady, yeah, we, we didn't have as big a Twitter, Instagram following as we now have. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was like, right, I really want to know people's thoughts. We didn't get this last time. So on Instagram, 13% of people said it's okay. Mm-hmm. 13% of people said, no, we'd rather avoid Ascot. 73% of people said, yes, it's lovely. With Joseph Smith saying, my fair lady is one of my favourites. I have loved all the productions I've seen. All the songs are classics with On the Street Where You Live being the standout. Yes, correct. <laughs> Even though it's a little stalky by today's standard. The movie has been a constant for my whole life and I use it as a litmus test for new relationships. Luckily, my musical hating husband passed the test. Good. And I think, you know, My Fair Lady is a very good litmus test for musicals. Mm-hmm. You know, overwhelmingly positive over on Instagram. On Twitter... We had 19% of people say they've never seen it. Mm-hmm. You need to go and see it if you voted that way. 12% saying no, forget Ascot. 19% of people saying it's okay with 50% saying yes, it's lovely. Again, a very, very positive uh, response to the show. Uh, Elena reached out to us and shared, like with Victor Victoria, a thread where she rewatched it on her vintage Broadway 19 uh, Instagram page which if you don't follow you absolutely should because there's some brilliant musical content there mm-hmm. and I always love a good Elena like watch or listen along in comments but there you know some great bits here you know um <laughs> one of the comments she says that I liked was one of the many reasons why I don't like Freddie he didn't even help Eliza pick up her flowers rude mm-hmm. so whereas uh, Joseph is on your side with Freddie I think Elena is on my side with Freddie. I love Freddie. Henry Higgins throwing these people under the bus for the way they speak. This scene fascinated me as a child. I'd tried to imitate these accents. I could imagine myself imitating watching that. And favourite line I think I have I share here is, you know, he just called her a squashed cabbage leaf. There's mm-hmm. some great like little comments here. So definitely if you want to read some of Elena's thoughts, head over to Vintage Broadway 19 and go back 64 weeks to a My Fair Lady watch along. Yeah. Five stars. Easily for me, this performance. Oh, absolutely. I don't have an MVP. This whole cast... My MVP is the rotating house. I mean, my MVP... (laughs) Like, what? My MVP is is the set. Mm -hmm. However, I think my MVP should also just be the production as a whole. Yeah. Everything works about this. And to say one person stands above someone else. Mm-hmm. I always struggle with the MVP stuff anyway, because sometimes I do feel it's a disservice. But here, I just can't. Yeah. There are small moments that the ensemble do that are great and small characters like Pickering do that are great. Well, like the fact that Dominique Planter as both Mrs. Ironsford Hill and as the maid who's having the affair with the policeman 
Oh, it's just so cool. And yeah. that it stands out so well. Like, it's just amazing. Is your Everyone in this was great. Best song still on the street where you live? Mm, I think in this version, I might have to give it to a Henry Higgins song. <gasps> what song? I know. Which one? I think his, like you said, his version of I've Grown Accustomed to Her Face. Yeah, it was powerful. Really powerful because he's so broken about her refusing to come back with him and her saying goodbye to him. And he has this full like wave of emotions as opposed to, like you say, the Rex Harrison version where it's pretty... He, he does change a little bit, but it's pretty much the same all the way through. Whereas this, you can see how messed up he is by the end of it. And, and I think especially because here we are, you know, reaching the three hour mark to have something as powerful mm -hmm. here that the, you know, he can still deliver such a great performance. Yeah. But still engross us when we are very tired. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's about 10 PM at this point. Mm -hmm. It's a long night, but it's worth every second of it. I think I've grown accustomed to her face is, is a great song and is, is probably my favorite song in this. Mm -hmm. uh, character wise. Freddie. You want to play Freddy? I always want to play Freddy. I I do want to be Higgins, but this version of Higgins is great and it shows that you can do more with it outside of a Rex Harrison performance. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love this kind of eccentric kook character. Yeah. As an older actor, I definitely would like to do the Colonel. Yeah. I just like his character as well. Mm -hmm. But it, it was brilliant. You know, easy five stars for me. Yeah. Same for you, I, I reckon. Oh, absolutely. This wasn't changing. This is one of my favourite musicals ever. Best live experience of it? Oh, yeah, for sure. This is such a good cast, such a good performance. It just, everything about it was fantastic. Yeah. And just to say, like, we, we get, got the opportunity to see Vanessa Redgrave perform. Mm -hmm. It was very, very cool. Yeah, really cool. You know, and... You know, she got a huge ovation when she came out. Mm -hmm. Like, very, very well-deserved. But I like, I do like that, you know, Henry Higgins and Eliza, so obviously um, Amara O'Karake and Harry Hayden Patton, massive cheers when they came out for their, their bow. Oh, yeah, for sure. And yeah. they deserved it, too. They absolutely did. The whole, the whole cast did. It's fantastic and beautifully orchestrated as well. Mm -hmm. The whole show is a delight. And, you know, quickly, we haven't even talked about how much you love the graphic design of the poster for this one. Oh, yeah, because it's really gorgeous. I'm sure we'll put a picture of the... Oh, we have put pictures of the uh, programme on Twitter, but it's an upside-down wrapped bouquet of flowers that's her dress. Mm. It's just really cool and very, very nicely done. And you can even buy flowers there and pick them up as you leave. Yeah, that was cool too. They're yeah. in a florist shop. Yeah, mm. very cool. Great merch. You got a pin, as is tradition. I got a tote bag, as is tradition. Mm -hmm. Loved it. If you can get to the London Coliseum, you absolutely should to see this Yeah. show. Next week, it's a Disney time. Made sense to change it because we're going to launch it the week I head to Paris. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we will be talking about the Disney Cinderella. I think it's been a year since we saw the very, very infamous Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella. Yeah. For multiple reasons infamous. And I'm sure if you know, you know. I'm excited to watch this one. 
because I feel like it's a Disney film that I've watched more recently of the classic Disneys than I have others. Mm-hmm. So We definitely watched the live action of it recently. We have watched the live action of it recently, but this one I feel like of like the classic Disneys I watched most recently before starting the rewatch. Because I love Disney, but actually there's a lot of times where we're saying, oh, we could watch Hunchback, and I'm like, no, let's just wait now because we know we're on that route to it. Mm-hmm. And yes, we will probably then be taking a, a short little... Uh, break from podcasting uh, I, I will be in Paris for a week so we won't have the opportunity to uh, sit down and record certainly without it being in a rush which we don't want to rush our content for you mm-hmm. uh, we might be back after a week, we go into the final week of the school holidays and it's a very busy uh, final week for us because it is our final week Yeah, at our current jobs mm-hmm. which is both exciting and you know upsetting but obviously a lot of work goes into that as well. So we hope we'll certainly be back for the start of the summer holidays. No idea yet, so watch this space. You can do that over on Twitter and Instagram at It's a Musical Pod. Get yourself involved in conversations on Cinderella. And are you going to go see My Fair Lady? Because we've recommended it to you. Let us know if that's the case and if you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You can subscribe to us on a multitude of good podcasting platforms. We are available on Apple Podcasts. We are available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music under the uh, podcast section of the library. You can find us on Stitcher, Good Pods, and our OG hosts, Podbean. And if you've enjoyed this episode, just love hearing to us speak, why not leave us a review and spread the word of It's a Musical Podcast. Until next week, where we will see you the same bat place, same bat channel. Have a magical, musical Monday. Mm-hmm.